Hey, welcome back. It is the ceiling is the roof edition of the Dan Dawkins show here today. <laughs> we'll get into that with Teddy G, our friend Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Teddy G, uh, you live in the city. You've covered them for years. Your reaction to Northwestern getting into the tournament, which we assume they will? Double D, it's been a long journey, man. My freshman year there, they went 0-18 in the Big Ten. Ouch! People were, people were fleeing. There was a transfermania. Rex Walters was among those who left, left for Kansas, had a good career there. Poor Bill Foster was left without a team. Now, four years later, they made the NIT, and we thought that was you know as good as it possibly gets. And then came this season. So um, this has been really enjoyable. Uh, you know, Chris has done it the right way. Good kids there. And uh, beating Michigan last week was uh, certainly memorable. All right, but more importantly, Teddy G, you went undercover, deep undercover. <laughs> you went with, I think, three of the best guys officiating, and you did a hell of a story on it. Give us something from that. What What did you learn from the officials, and what, what did you – what did you find out that maybe you didn't know? Well, I found out from talking to you that, you know, they buy Ben Gay by tubs, which uh, <laughs> when I mentioned that to them, they all thought that was a great line. And it was so true. I walk into the officials room at Purdue and that's the first thing that I smell. But, you know, <laughs> to me, the, the the big takeaway, and this is really because of Gene Steratore, he's just the most relaxed guy, whether he's doing a football game or doing a, a Big Ten basketball game, like his goal is not to get the coach ticked off or, you know, or talk back to the players. I mean, at the highest level, what they want to do is they want to manage the game. You know, they are putting themselves in the shoes of these coaches who are all stressed out. So, you know, if Matt Painter is going to bitch about a call, their first reaction is going to say, okay, man, we'll take a look at it. And if, if Mello Trimble is going to glare at them, you know, I thought an official might reply by saying, hey, you know, worry about your own game. Don't glare at me. No, no, no. They will go up to Mello Trimble and say, look, man, I understand you don't complain about calls a lot, so we'll take a closer look next time. They are trying to diffuse the issues rather than, you know, maybe some refs, maybe a Ted Valentine and other guys who think it's about them. Like at the highest level, they want it to be about the players. And I think that's really cool because they do, when you look at them, they talk. You know, they, Steve Wellman was the greatest. He just used to talk his way through and, and didn't have to call idiotic fouls. Um, as you travel with these guys, did you feel empathy for them? Did you did you just like them? Did you, did you think they were overworked? What did you think? Loved them. Loved them. And, and, you know, I think part of it is they're muzzled by the people they work for. Like right now, the Big Ten doesn't really have much of a mechanism for allowing officials to speak. And I think that's a shame because these guys, you know, they're right the vast majority of the time, and they would like to explain calls. But, you know, in that, say, Michigan-Northwestern game, uh, the ball is handed to Wagner on the, on the free throw line, and all of a sudden, Gene blows his whistle and it's headed the other way, and that's because there's a violation because somebody stepped inside the three-point arc but nobody knows it because everything's happening so fast and Michigan fans think, oh, it's just another bad call. It's a makeup call or something like that. So I wish these guys, um, you know, had the, the, the cuffs taken off them and, and could speak more often. But um, getting back to one thing, and maybe you didn't know about this, probably my favorite moment was when Steratore is talking about being in Wisconsin and Bo Ryan is MFing him. And Steratore, rather than calls a technical, goes up to him and says, hey, Bo, this is how you do this. We're on national TV Put your hand over your mouth, and then you can MF me as much as you want. That's so. And then there's a picture of it, right? 
Exactly. And then we got the picture of it. And that's a visual where Gene says, look, isn't this fun? We're yelling at each other and nobody in the arena knows what we're doing. (laughs) That's why I love Sterator. Right. Right. That's that's why he just he he is the Frank Sinatra of officiating. He's just all kinds. Uh Or maybe Dean Dean Martin. He's just he's just all kinds of cool. You know what I mean? Exactly, man. He walks into that arena and he is the chillest guy. You know, as you saw, I led the story with him saying to uh, one of the concessionaires, hey, will you, uh, will you save a pretzel for me at halftime? You know, we'll tip you well. And, and people are offering him a slice of pizza. And he's, he's kind of a celebrity because we see him on Sundays, you know, dealing with these NFL guys. So um, I think the story hopefully humanized, humanized the officials and people realized that, you know, they're not these, short-circuited guys who are just, you know, wanting, wanting to tee people up left and right. Yeah, I think that um, you did a great job of humanizing him. I think it's an absolute great article. Teddy Greenstein joins us, and if you want to see the article, go back to the uh, Chicago Tribune or – or Teddy, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up your Twitter here. Give me your Twitter handle. I'm sure. sure. Yeah. Man, it's easy. Teddy Greenstein. That's what I thought. I, I thought That's it was. I just tweeted that you were on the show – and all of a sudden, as oft times happens here at MS Worldwide Headquarters, the uh, the what's it called went out a little bit. Uh, Teddy, a couple of things. Uh, let me go. Let me go to what I've said. I've said they work too much. Um, did they talk about that at all? Absolutely. And what's funny is they actually rag on each other for working too much. You know, they'll be like, "Hey, man, are you up to 100 games this year? Right, 105." So that's their way of kidding each other because they know that perception. You know, I, I think here's what they say. There's two ways they defend working, you know, five-plus days a week. One, they are often driving to the game instead of flying. So, you know, if they – let's say they're at Purdue one night. Well, they're independent contractors. They could have the choice the next night of flying to New Jersey to do a seat in the hall game, or they can have the choice of driving to Evanston for Northwestern or being in the MAC. And because they have to pay their own expenses – it behooves them to take local games where they can just drive to rather than paying for flights. And then the other part, Sterator, the other point Sterator makes is he says, look, you think we're being greedy or do you think there are only, you know, a finite number of us who can manage a game? So, yeah, I mean, they want younger guys to come up and do a good job, but in the heat of the battle, you want guy, you want your best guys there, man, the guys who have done it. And they're just not that many people who can handle a, a, a tough game and in a, you know, a rough environment. You're right. You know, you're right, and that's a bad thing about officiating. There's not enough young up-and-coming guys that are just, you know, ready to do that. And there just aren't. So you, if you ask a coach, hey, man, I'll take Gene Steratore on my team you know, anytime. Give me Terry Weimer. Uh, give me Larry Scarato. You know, give me those guys. And there's, Did you enjoy it? I really did. I also just love the, the nitty-gritty. I mean, you know, eight seconds into that Rutgers-Purdue game, there's a call made that I didn't know. I mean, you know this rule, but, um, you know, where the, uh, a guy who's, who's running around, who's, who's looking to receive the ball off the screen, can't be out of bounds. Right. He can't go out of bounds on his own volition and be the first guy to receive the basketball. Now, people don't know this call. People like me and, and even the BTN broadcaster said, oh, offensive foul, you know, there's a turnover. Um, but it turns out, a lot of these calls are complicated because if you're nudged out, it's one thing. And Matt Painter thought that, you know, he wasn't blatantly out. I believe it was Carson Edwards. So I find all this stuff fascinating, kind of the nitty-gritty of people like me watching a game and sometimes being clueless about what's being called. Teddy, I, I read that part of it. And what 
Matt would never say that. Katie did that all the time. The reason that rule is in is because of Purdue. That was uh, honest to God. Katie would run guys off his motion. They would be like two or three feet out of bounds, run in off screen. So it gives you more room. It extends the court. I read that. I'm like, come on, Matt. You probably were taught that when you were, when you were a player for Katie. I blame everything on Katie. You got to understand. I, you know, <laughs> anything that's up there, Teddy, I I blame. It's Katie's. Fault. Yeah, Painter Painter probably scored a thousand points. You know, coming off. Uh, Screens like that. Now the modern version of that is is Gary Harris. They call that the Gary Harris. Oh, is that right? Izzo Izzo was trying to uh, get his guy off those uh, sharp screens. Uh, Teddy, couple of things. One related, one not so related. Let me go to the unrelated first. Uh, are the Cubs going to win over ninety seven? Will they win one hundred and ten? What are they going to win one hundred and sixty? <laughs> what are they going to do, Teddy? Well, well, it is amazing. I believe the over-under is pretty modest, isn't it? Aren't I saw 97.5, which I thought was a lot. Oh, you thought it was a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting one is Jake Arrieta this year. Um, he faded starting in about May or June last year, and he was still he was still good, but he wasn't dominant. It's going to be an interesting year for him because, uh, you know, it's his contract year. So if he if he pitches great, he's going to end up with 150 million dollars. And if he's so so, um, let's see what happens. I mean, I think it's his last year in a Cubs jersey because they don't want to commit massive amounts to a pitcher in his 30s. But other than him, I mean, everyone should be better. I mean, even Hayward went yard yesterday. Man, he started 0 for 15 in spring, and he finally had a good game. He can't be worse. <laughs> Can he? You wouldn't think so, man. No. He should be relaxed. They got their title. You know, he's established himself as a successful player, even though he, you know, hit about as many doubles, triples, and homers as you yeah. and I did last year. Yeah. So he should be chill. They appreciate him for his defense and his hustle and all that stuff. All right. Back back on a related note. Um, now that you are, as a Northwestern grad, in the tournament um, – it gives you the right to bitch, okay? It gives you the right to bitch about seeding. It gives you right. Will Northwestern fans just be happy to see their name? They will be, obviously. But yeah. then will it turn into, damn, why are we eight and nine seed? They better not, man. They better not. Because before that Michigan game was going on, if you had offered most Northwestern fans date, if you had just given them a little glimpse of what life is like in the tournament, they would have taken it. And and let's be real. I mean, the team was great in January, but ever since early February hit and Scotty Lindsay had mono, it's been a struggle. I mean, they barely beat Rutgers at home. So I, for one, am not going to be bitching. I mean, I'll be happy to, when we see Northwestern, I will be uh, on AmericanAirlines.com. I'll try to be the first guy to book my flight, whether it's Greenville or Salt Lake City, even if it's Buffalo, I don't think you're going to get any complaints. All right, next question. I've asked every basketball person that understands anything about basketball this question. The Welsh Ryan Arena renovation, which is occurring, is going to close the building for a year. They're going to play up at uh, up in Rosemont. All State. Yeah. yeah. Will Chris Collins be the basketball coach at Northwestern when they come back to Welsh Ryan? Absolutely. Now, I'll tell you this, man. I'm writing a big column um, in the next day or two because they, Northwestern needs to step up and uh, extend him right now. This, this, I can tell you with absolute certainty, he doesn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. And I know people are going to be really skeptical about that regarding Duke. First of all, I think Kay's going to be there for many more years as long as his health is good. But, you know, 
what don't you have at Northwestern? I mean, you have a good situation now where you can be a top half Big Ten team every year. And one of the things that people don't realize about coaching at Northwestern, you know, guys like Fitz and his whole football staff, these guys, there's almost no turnover because they, they like coaching guys who aren't knuckleheads. You know, they like recruiting kids who actually are, are good students and have good parents. So that's kind of a great that's a great thing to have when you've got kids who are accountable, who actually go to class. Um, and look, Chris has gotten to the NCAA tournament with garbage facilities. I mean, not much of a practice facility, uh, you know, sort of an oversized high school gym. So he's looking at it like, hey, once 2018 hits and we're in the upper half of the league in terms of facilities, and we've already made the tournament, why are people going to be turning me down? He'll be able to recruit great. That's what I think. You know, that, that's what I think. But a couple of friends of mine that know college basketball really well asked me that question. I thought, you know, that is an interesting question because there will be – I mean, there's some jobs opening up. I don't know that there's any better job right now, and we'll see what happens down the road. But, you know, he's a guy that when you watch him obviously coach really good – Recruit, good enough to get Northwestern in the tournament, carries himself with a great combination of youthful exuberance and professionalism. Yeah. So what's not to like? And I think I think most people that knew Chris knew that that would be who he was, but you just didn't know whether he was gonna be, you know, be able to get it done. Because Northwestern has Northwestern has Northwesterned itself many times. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no doubt. Now now one place where Northwestern's been solid is in retention. I mean, so if people are curious, oh, how can they keep Chris? Just look at the football program. You know, Pat Fitzgerald could have had the Michigan job for three-plus million a year that went to Brady Hoke uh, five, six years ago. He stayed. Um, They love the AD, Jim Phillips. The president is a really cool guy named Morty Shapiro, sports-loving guy. Um, You know, like Pat Fitzgerald, Chris Collins is from the area. He lives in the North Shore. He's got a great golf situation here. He's a member of a great club. It's like, why, why does he want to go to LSU and start over again? I mean, right. this is his baby. He's built it. So there's no reason, as long as they take care of him, you know, contract-wise and they're good to his assistants, there's no reason for him to leave. I'm with you, brother. I I am uh, totally with you. All right, we're playing golf this summer at some point. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I think I was drunk last time we played. I shot about a 219, so uh, I, I'm definitely looking for another another shot with you and producer Kyle. I think some guys, the drunker they are, the better they play. Apparently, that's not you. <laughs> I'll try that this time. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks, Teddy. Thanks, Ted. All Bye, right. Double D. That's Teddy Greenstein. He is fantastic. He is a writer of all things with the Chicago Tribune on the Four Winds Lake sign in and Marina Hotline. Look, Northwestern. I've said this, and I had a meeting with a couple Northwestern guys. We went over to St. Elmo's on Friday. Northwestern Mafia is brutal. You got Wilbon, you got Greenspan, or uh, Greenberg, you got Greenstein, you got all these guys in the media. Everybody in the media either went to Syracuse, nationally anyway, or went to Northwestern. And it was always easy keeping Northwestern guy down. It was always easy just extending your hand and saying, you're Northwestern. Shut the hell up. Not no more. I remember doing a press conference there. The first game that I was the interim coach, it was a night game. We won the game. I'm doing a press conference in the back, and the baseball team was practicing, and you couldn't hear the questions because the practice was like, that's Northwestern. Like, Coach Knight and I walked in one time, 
and almost got hit by a softball. Because behind the bleachers is a little baseball slash softball practice area. Not exactly Cook Hall. Not exactly what they have at a variety of places, including basically everywhere. Davidson Center at Michigan. Breslin Center at Michigan State. Iowa's got a beautiful facility. I mean, not exactly. But Chris Collins is the guy. And I, for one, I don't know how you all feel, but I'm going to be rooting like hell for Northwestern. Can I ask you a question? A coaching question. So. Okay, you have Chris Collins at Northwestern, yes. who is obviously changing yes. the program. Yes. Do you, as a coach, say, "Okay, I have a chance to really make this different in the next five to ten years"? Yes. Or after you accomplish that, you get these offers and you say, "Hey, I got to go." I'm gonna give you two things, two schools of thought on that. The first thought is, "Yes, it's great what Teddy said and what you asked." Yeah, we stay. It's my baby. The second school of thought is every mistake I've ever made is because I stayed too long. You can stay too long in a good situation. And regardless of whether or not Northwestern is in the tournament, Northwestern still had a great year, finished 10 and eight in the big 10. Now they had a lot of stuff. They had a bunch of guys injured and they played through it all, but you still have great, not good, great college basketball jobs in Illinois, that aren't that are struggling. Michigan's a great college basketball job. Not good, great because of all the players uh, around it. We've seen what Wisconsin's been able to do. I think Wisconsin just broke an all-time record for winning seasons, but from Big Ten teams consecutively. I think seventeen. Which, if you'd have told me, I don't think I was at Indiana sixteen years before I left and then came back for one. In those sixteen years, we played Wisconsin, I believe, twice every year. Lost to them one time, 31 and one. 31 and one. That's how bad Wisconsin was. Now, there were some good games, but that's how bad Wisconsin was. So now you look at what they've been able to do, but that's a state school that has the state's loyalty. Coaches in the, in the state run the offense, play the defense that Dick Bennett, and they've done that for years. You're not going to have the same thing at Illinois, or excuse me, at Northwestern, because say whatever you like, Illinois is the name of the state. Purdue's been and Michigan State are the two programs that have been able to beat the quote unquote state school. But that's it. Northwestern and and uh, Illinois, the 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 comparison of the basketball programs, really, there is no comparison. Illinois far better. Uh, Indiana, Purdue, even. Michigan State has probably over the last 10, 15 years surpassed Michigan. But usually, if you ain't the big dog, eventually it comes to get you. Eventually. All right. This is an awesome show today. I just want to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I headed to the Big Ten tournament this afternoon. We are doing the 430 game, Nebraska taking on Penn State, which is going to be interesting. I don't get into coaches being fired, but I got to tell you, I know this. Uh, Tim Miles needs a win. And I'm not talking about it from a standpoint of knowing anything. I'm talking about it from the standpoint of momentum in your program. Hard to lose senior night by 32. Hard to lose, then come back and lose in the Big Ten tournament to Penn State and not have to have an incredibly nervous conversation with an athletic director the next Monday. However, Tim Miles, I want him to stay in that job because I don't want to be replaced on ESPN. I think it'd be great on TV.
I think he'd be great. Tim Miles does not know how good he has it. All right, when we come back, 2 o'clock, Lee Fitting. Do you know who Lee Fitting is? Lee Fitting is the main man of college basketball. Lee Fitting is the main man of college football. He runs it for ESPN. We're doing a really cool thing ESPN is doing. I'll be involved in it. Uh, It's a marathon. It's 24-hour straight bracket talk. And then my friend Mike Fox. Mike Fox, for 32 or 33 years, ran first the Hoosier Dome, then the RCA Dome, or however that thing was reversed. And then Lucas Oil Stadium. Mike just left to go to, well, he went to IMS, where a lot of people are starting to go. We saw Kurt Cavan do it. We're going to talk to Mike and Lee in the 2 o'clock hour. It's a fantastic show today. I'm giving you everything I got, people. Stan Dockage, Kyle Knezovich, Lee Ross, 1070 The Fan.